You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. This is episode 155. 155. That's gotta be a milestone, right? Like some some double digit thing. Make a wish, I guess. Um, my name is Marvin Yue, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once in the future professional Asian American, Jess Jew. Hey, Marvin. Happy June. Happy Pride Month. Happy, uh, no longer Asian month. It's always Asian month in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, what are we even? Also joining us, uh, the most professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hey. Hey. <laughs> One of these days you'll talk to me and I won't be tired. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, that's just our general state of being these days. Everyone's just tired doing work. I have, um, I, I much like Jess, have been pulled back into the professional Asian American fold. Um, I'm mm. producing a filmmaker's event, an Asian American filmmaker's event out in um, New York this weekend uh, alongside Tribeca. And it just so happens that the, the city is on fire. Well, not the city. But oh yeah, Canada's on fire. Canada's on fire. My and it's... on fire, and the smoke is so. It's been really interesting seeing because, as we all know, nothing is mm-hmm. real in this world unless the New Yorkers have experienced mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. deemed it real, right? And seeing all the New Yorkers say, "Oh my God, look at the sky!" as if we haven't had those for the last decade here in California. Oh yeah, blood on our sky. Yeah. <laughs> I have team members in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and then of course me. And then we were just kind of like uh, eyeing the New Yorkers in our in our work Slack, going crazy. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel mean, for you. <laughs> is ash raining from the sky? If not, then you haven't experienced all there is to experience yet. But mm-hmm. I'm glad for you to um, have a taste of what it feels like to live in California during wildfire season. Uh, that being said, okay. wildfires do suck, and you know. It's supposed to rain this weekend, so hopefully that'll that'll wash away some of the some of those sky particles. But I guess Canada's still on fire, right? Yeah. So Ugh, I'm supposed to go next weekend, and I hope it's not as gross. <laughs> it's it's I guess, but I guess it sucks more because you have to like walk in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's ever a time to mask up, this is it. You know, you got all those masks that you put away hey. because the the pandemic mm-hmm. emergency is over. You know, mm-hmm. those do a good job filtering out those particles. They can even use the ones with the little vents this time around, you know, because they're <laughs> doing other stuff. But yeah, exactly. We're we're well prepared, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. <sighs> well, we're here to talk about a different type of fire. What kind of fire? We'll find out during this dis- mm. during our discussion. <laughs> One that goes down a damn baby. <laughs> but we're uh, on this episode. We're talking about Fast X, the latest installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's a franchise now, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're on the tenth one. How can it not be a franchise? <laughs> it's, you call it the Fast Saga. That's because it has an the official saga. name. Now. Yes. Okay. Oh, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week. Uh, let's start with Han. What's popping? <laughs> this is a rare thing for me because I rarely talk about music because I am not in touch with current music. Um, but because of the weird rabbit hole I've been going down with uh, Asian content, 
um, dramas and such. I have been going around with uh, just familiarizing myself with the K-pop out there, but nothing's really been hitting it for me until I saw this uh, J-pop, this young Japanese singer. So basically, his name is Imase. Um, and what I like about him is that, you know, pandemic hit and instead of freaking out, he was like, I'm using this time to learn music. So he taught himself the guitar. He taught himself how to produce music. Um, and he basically debuted himself in 2021. Um, and he had a viral hit in 2022 called Night Dancer that created a lot of TikTok viral jet dance challenges. Um, and what I like about him is besides being self-taught, sort of a a rough around the edges, quirky dude um, is that uh, his music is very happy, <laughs> which is odd for me. I tend to like sort of the uh, soulful stuff, um, singer songwritery things, um, but it's very happy. It's very um, instrumental, poppy, but also a little bit R&B and maybe some 70s influence. There's like disco in there. Um, and what I also like is, you know, he he finally jumped in on these dance challenges himself because it was his own song and he's not a great dancer like he's musical don't get me wrong but he is not one of those polished k-pop dancers and honestly that endears him to me more so uh just putting it out there that like if you have a chance to listen to his song um night dancer but also he has a very new one new song called nagisa that I think is great. And um, he's one of probably the few new artists that I've actually kind of like liked because sometimes it's just more of a one song, then I'm done with them. Hmm. Um, so it's introduced me to other Japanese artists who have been around for a while. Um, and I think my taste is more Japanese music than it is Korean. So oh. um, but that's what I've been, or at least the Korean stuff from the soundtracks, if it's heartfelt and like, Tied to certain scenes, that's not bad. But if I listen to it in my everyday, I think I prefer Jap Japanese pop music. There's a little bit more rawness there too. Um, but that's just also my taste. I'm not bagging on um, this at all. Also, it ha does have a K-pop sort of like overlap, which is now I know who certain members of BTS are because the lead singer uh, 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 Jungkook cookie whatever how how people call him um he's the lead vocalist for bts he has a great voice and so they kept asking him to cover this song so he did so he's been doing a lot of covers of songs in his own home and um he did that and the uh this artist um imase was very thrilled with that so that got him a lot of attention too um he's he's touring like japan right now but i think he's going to be hitting korea i wish i could see him but you know he's probably not coming to the states anytime soon so uh, yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> so I would say check it out. Yeah. Always down for new music recs. I rely on you too to uh, keep me current. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you need to maybe keep, keep hip with the youngins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know how a lot of people talk about like, their K-pop boyfriends. This is basically my son. My Japanese son. Your <laughs> Japanese <laughs> son. Got it. Because he's 22. So he's oh. adorable, but he's a kid. So I'm very clear on that. Um, maybe if you're 12, you can find him cute. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I will also start checking out some Vietnamese music because I got some great recommendations from Jess Vu, uh, your counterpart, <laughs> Jess. Um, my evil yeah. twin. Or am I the evil twin? One of us is the evil twin. Evil Vietnamese twin. Um, I feel like the one You said it. To be Han evil. said that. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Anyway, so that's me. Yeah. Uh, what's... What's popping with you, Jess? <laughs> so I started something that felt 
really inevitable. I knew I was going to like it. I don't know why I was holding off for so long. <laughs> Everyone in my life whose opinion I respect, you know, the people who vibe similar to me, the I feel like the LGBTQ community, speaking of Pride Month, is all in on this. And of course, I'm talking about Survivor. Yes, the reality competition Survivor that is in its 44th season. Um, I was like, you know what? It's time because, you know, some things work-wise are winding down. I have a little time. And I just went, you know, low is hanging fruit um, with the what's available right now on Netflix. I started with season 18. Again, there's 44 seasons. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of these are evergreen because mm-hmm. you're kind of just stuck on an island with no electronics or anything like that. And I remember I actually watched Survivor like live when it was like on TV, like Mm -hmm. the first few seasons, like as a child. I think I watched like maybe four seasons. I definitely remember watching like season two, the Australian Outback season. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really interesting from what I remember to how the games changed. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's... I it's very well produced like the just like the psychological torture they put these folks through and like the variables that you cannot like really predict what's going to happen or how things play out uh fascinating of course I love the challenges and just kind of you know the like I you know physical 100 needs to take a page off of some of these folks like the challenges you know a lot of them are strength based but a lot of them are also like balance based or like teamwork based or just like you know, there's a lot of puzzles. I love a puzzle. I would love to do a survivor puzzle. But half the time I'm also watching and I'm also just like, this is disgusting. I would never do this. Why would you like I know people are obsessed with Survivor, but like I cannot imagine a million dollars being worth it. Like like living and being <laughs> out in the wilderness and like drinking like river water and not eating for like 40 days it looks terrible but season 18 sent the brazilian highlands speaking of brazil uh, i i can't say the word because it's portuguese and like portuguese letter combinations make no sense to me um but it's it's really fascinating again it's like a social experiment it's uh the the early season the early episodes i find i started i finished one season i started the next but i feel like the early episodes of each season are like really annoying because oh my god men suck mm-hmm. men are terrible they're so sexist they're always so sexist and they're immediately like this girl's stupid and like she's so annoying like the other season on netflix like these two broy dudes are like so rude they like like they won't even learn this girl's name they're like, yeah, Blondie's an idiot. Like, I'm just like, you're such a little fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's a microcosm of our world and our society. Um, and it's always great when they get their comeuppance or like there's a big play. They call it like a big play, a big move. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the end, like, it's also about who likes you the most to vote you to get enough money. Who, who you, you know, your jury decides. I know Marvin. I don't know if you're familiar with how Survivor works. But essentially, after a certain point, the people get eliminated, come back and decide who gets the money at the end. So you can't be like just outright terrible and mean to everybody. Um, And it's usually not these like big brawny dudes who end up winning. Um, So it's been really fun. It's it's very dramatic. It's just like and, you know, like everyone's hungry, like everyone's tired and hungry and hot. Uh, which just seems like my utter nightmare. Uh, and I'm really enjoying this drama. Like, it's it's very entertaining. 
uh, I get it. And I'm very excited that I have 40 plus of additional seasons to at my <laughs> at my disposal to, you know, fall into a black hole of. I, you know, I watched it in the first seasons for sure. I remember how much it changed, even from that first season where people were like, what's an alliance? How did everyone vote the same way? It was mind blowing. Um, but then also when they started doing the live uh, finale reveals. Reunions, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like everyone's fatter. Um, because oh my God, they- <laughs> when they come back and they're all like beautiful and like not just yes. des- like gross, um, it's just like wow, yeah. y'all are y'all are very attractive people. Yeah, but they still have to dress the same way, you know, like like they're around the uh, what's like it called the typecast, yeah, the, the, like the the, yeah. the 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 profile that these producers, the pro- the survivor producers have built for them, and like Jeff Prost, man, like mm-hmm. props to him. Jeff Prost mm-hmm. is the best shit starter, great yes. host, great shit starter, like. You can tell he takes so much enjoyment in doing this and he knows exactly what to ask to like stir the pot. But like it's never on him. Right. Yeah. He's so lovable and it's never on him. So great host. Props to him. He's been doing this for 44 seasons. Best in the game. And I'm yeah. at this point, I'm like, Jeff Probst, do you just live in Fiji? Like, does your family right. live in Fiji with you? Like, do you have a life outside of like being on this island in Fiji? I really want to know because I'm sure they're doing like two seasons like. Mm-hmm. 44 seasons it's been like maybe like 20 something years that's more than a season a year so their production schedule must be insane like they're just constantly like jeff jeff probes must live on fiji now right isn't he also now married to a former contestant oh uh, scandal you double check that like i it's been so long since i covered survivor but also watched it because i did bail after I think it, when it hit the teens or something like that, maybe even earlier. Um, and it's not that I disliked it. It was just kind of like there's there was getting to be too much TV. I even stuck with like Amazing Race for a while there. But then now I no longer watch it. But um, still oh, enjoyable. They broke up. They broke up. Oh, they did. Well, but you know. he did at one point. Um, and yeah. So, yeah, I guess he doesn't really. I mean, he's married. He's remarried to someone else. Uh-huh. But again, but like in his where heart, does it's he survivor. Have the time? Yeah, He's married to survivor. Survivor is his wife, yeah. um, and you know what? I think that's a I think that's a life lived with purpose. You go, Jeff Pro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- w- how will people know him with Survivor? Of course, so that makes sense. Yeah, I've I've never watched a Survivor. I only know of Survivor through cultural osmosis because it's such it's it was such mm-hmm. a it was I huge. guess important show, right? And things like. The tribunals, voting off the island, confessionals, mm-hmm. alliances. Like, those are things that made mm-hmm. its way into everyday colloquialisms. So, yes. Uh, I know Survivor, but I don't know Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. It kicked off almost, I would say, all reality competition shows. It, it's yeah. really the OG, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just the stuff they get away with of like having what these contestants do. I do not know how many waivers they're signing, but you know, or what's in the editing and the production that makes it look more precarious um, than what it is. But it's it's insane. But I feel like there is like a cult of Survivor now, the new generation. I feel like a lot of people also picked it up during uh, once it got on Netflix and during the pandemic. So now there's like a lot of like younger millennial Gen Z folks who are like also really into Survivor. So I think it's on its like second wave. 
there's there's enough lore essentially now also to have people come back so they do a lot of like all-stars competitions and stuff like that so like, i mean i think it's also hit critical mass like like top chef right it took 20 years to get them to the this world level 20 seasons is a lot of tv that's a long run survivor's 44 seasons that's yeah double top chef that's insane I'm happy and for you, Jess. <laughs> I'm I'm really happy. I found something also to uh, to just get lost in, and it's it's funny because the other season on that I started on Netflix it takes place in Cambodia, so they used to move location location, mm-hmm. but I guess now for production's just easier to stay on Fiji. And I'm like midway into that Cambodia season, and they're just they none of nobody can take the heat. The humidity is so intense. Like in one challenge, three of them just dropped from heat stroke, and they had to medically evacuate one of them. Like that's how bad. Like Jeff Probst is just standing there, and he looks like he ran a marathon. Like it's so sweaty. I'm just that would be me. Yeah, yeah. I would would not be able to do this. Like I have very delicate skin. I am very prone to like sun sunburn, and I I'm I'm like dehydrated on a like a default yes. level i would just yes. merely perish yeah. i get hangry i'm yeah. not diplomatic i would never survive on survivor <laughs> i mean i was just talking about how i was feeling weak because i missed lunch so you know yeah. i my sugar levels need to maintain a certain level i definitely get dehydrated constantly uh when i cry when when i go to the gym anytime so yeah i would die i would probably literally die if i did survivor <laughs> Yeah, so would recommend. Um, I know I'm really late on the boat, but I'm here, baby. I'm here. So, Marvin, <laughs> what's popping with you? All right. So, you know, last week I was saying I'm busy playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, just sticking around. Um, I found a new game to play. Um, it is the summer, so there's a lot of sales going on right now. And so when I was looking through the Nintendo eShop, I saw that this game I've been waiting for finally dropped. On Nintendo, it used to be an Xbox and Windows exclusive, and now it's available on the Switch, which is where I wanted to play it all along. So it's a game called Fights in Tight Spaces, and it's a basically it's a rogue like um, card battler slash like tactical RPG. And the setup is basically you know that one fight scene, the hallway fight scene from Old mm. Boy. Let's just mm, make yes. a entire game of those scenes, and <gasps> so um, it's turn based. So very stressful. It's, yeah. it's like the raid, but yeah. like <laughs> basically you play oh, as yeah. a lone agent going to different locations and like taking on a bunch of enemies at once. And it's turn based. So the enemies move and you move. And instead of like being like a twitch based action game, it's more like a strategic tactical game. So um, you're you get moves in the form of cards and each card is either like a, a certain type of punch, kick, um, throws movement and then you have a certain amount of actions per turn you have to plan out your your turn based on what the enemies are doing as well so you kind of get that feeling of being like a martial artist anticipating enemy moves and like trying to take them all down and it's a roguelike so you advance along like a map with different nodes and as you advance you start building that deck and getting more powerful cards and you start kind of specking out your character and it's very story light but mechanics heavy which is like a great game mm. to have, especially when you just need to play something for an hour or mm-hmm. you you have a commute. Um, it's kind of cool to just pick up and, and play. And I'm having a lot of fun. The art style is really cool. It's very minimalist. And so it kind of has a really cool vibe. Um, um, if you look up fights in tight spaces, you, you kind of get a sense of <laughs> what the art style looks like. Um, and yeah, it's um, 
it's one of these games, right? If if you're an avid gamer, you know what a card battler roguelike is. And it's a really good one of these. I like the title already um, when I saw it on this list. Uh, and that is one of my favorite sorts of fight scenes yeah. in this genre. Uh, I, I I would add to it like the Daredevil hallway fight scene. Also yeah, just any fight that. scene where you have one dude against a bunch of people in a very... Yeah. In a hallway. In a hallway. Jackie Chan yeah. doing whatever <laughs> oh, he does, yes. you know? Yes, so, yeah, great. I like it. Yeah. My thing is, I probably just want someone to play it and I watch them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's <laughs> turn-based. for. <laughs> yes. It's turn-based, but at the, at the end of the round, you can actually replay it. And so it'll play out in uh. real time. And it looks really cool. It kind of oh, that's replaying cool. your moves um, in a continuous motion. Mm. Um I might uh, check that out. It, what devices? It's now available everywhere. So Switch. Okay. Um, cool. If you have a Switch, that's probably the best place to play it because it's a very good like kind of grab and go game. I'm, it's also I'm, available on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation as well. My my brother has a very big birthday coming up, so I'm going to get him <laughs> a couple games, and so yeah. I think that I will throw that in. And it's um I think it's digital only, but it's on sale right now, so you can okay. grab it for like I think Ooh. it's like twenty percent off or something. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. Um, before we get to Fast X, though, let's check in one for the second to last time in our podcast within the podcast, Go Asian, where we recap the latest episode of Top Chef. And I'm happy to report that once again, we made it to the finish line. <laughs> Go Just Asian. Barely. Once again, an Asian made all the way to the finale. And so we our streak remains unbroken for the last, I want to say, like four seasons. We've had... We've had representation in the finale, which is great. Um, even though it's the same Asian as last season, <laughs> Buddha made it the end, um, but deservedly so. So yeah, um, you, you can't really argue with his prowess, really. So yeah. Um, so the finale, as always, takes place in a different city. Um, this time we're in Paris, which I kind of feel like we should have been there all along. But you know, I get it. London's yes. easier to. I mean, coordinate. look, Paris. Yeah, like Paris has colonialism too. Why not Paris? So, yeah, um, I, I kind of agree. But I, I guess for their inaugural thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so we start off with arguably one of the weaker quick fires in, in the entire seasons, which is wild because it was the last one. I yeah. mean, they got to get that tie-in, that promotional tie-in done. NBC <laughs> Universal, they pay a lot for the Olympics. It just Some seems like for like- such a high stakes... Yeah. Quick fire. This should have probably been earlier in the season when the stakes weren't as high. So, yeah. So what it was, was they had Olympians because the Olympics are going to happen in Paris in 2024. So they had Olympians paired with the chef testants for the wall challenge where, you know, you have a wall between them and they have to give directions to the person on the other side, not knowing their abilities. And uh, it was a little rough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean the original challenge had family members on the other side of the wall. Yeah, um, yes. but this one had like just Olympians with varying skill sets, like varying levels of like kitchen skills, which led to like some funny moments. I guess it was fun watching Gabri yell at Suni Lee for like not following his directions, but at the same time, like I don't know, it wasn't. I didn't feel compelled by this challenge. It's it's always a tough one because when it was their family members, even if they didn't know that it was their family members or didn't figure it out very quickly, that the family members knew them. So there was at least some sort of common ground and some people figured out who it was. So then yeah. they knew their abilities or at least like what 
the ingredients were similar to or how that person thinks. This one, it was completely blind. And then there was also language differences. Um, Gabri, you know, our, our chaos demon um, <laughs> basically lost a lot of his ability to communicate because he was so harried, but also frustrated because honestly, even if the language, there is no language barrier, it's tough to instruct people how to do things um, without seeing them because you don't know what they're picking up. Also, you don't know what things you are leaving out because you all assume that you, the other person understands what you're saying. Yeah. They um, also paired him with Suni Lee, who is like, what, 20? Yeah. Like, who has been training her entire life and is like a collagen. You think this girl knows how to cook? This yeah. Girl she does not know how to she cook. Eats various, she yeah, eats they various have forms of protein. Who, like, cook for them. Like, yeah. um, Buddha's partner had no idea what a leak was. Yeah, I, yeah, they I, are too I, busy to cook. Yes. They are freaking training to be Olympians. I, but I will say, um, Suni had a great attitude because I would have been pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would have been snapping back at him. Um, but she was sunshiny and had a laugh. And, you know, it, he was chagrined when he saw who it was. But even you should he should have been better for that. But I like that, you know. Buddha was able to explain what a leek was. You know, it's like green on top. Um, <laughs> I would have just said like a green onion, but fatter. Um, and I think the brilliant part, of course, is that Ali n- understood the actual challenge, which was accuracy. So he made sure everything was super detailed and how much of an ingredient was. So uh, the fact that the judges said that they were identical, their each of their dishes, I was like, is a testament to him thinking through the challenge. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I kind of agree. I, it should have happened earlier because it was a weirdly, weirdly less about food and, mm-hmm. and, and more, more about, about the tie-in. Yeah, yeah and, and, and the drama and fun of it. You know, I don't mind that in the first three episodes, let's say. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Ali won the quick fire, um, which gives them an advantage. And then... We move on to the elimination challenge, which is the <laughs> now forever known as the poo mushroom challenge. Poo mushroom. <laughs> I could have gone in my entire life without knowing that button mushrooms come from horse poo. I hope it's only the French Paris ones, because yeah, don't, don't we want no poop on my mushrooms? Don't we farm raise or do whatever? Stuff I thought it grew there? on the log. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or my mom's kitchen. Like, she makes mushrooms. But I don't think it's uh, about mushrooms. I think she does shiitakes. Or- I did love when Gabri picked up the mushroom that smelled like, smells like mushroom and horse poo. <laughs> and horse poo. Um, uh, but it's such an interesting... But it was an interesting challenge. They, they cooked at Alan Tukas's boat, who I thought was interesting that he could not deign to uh, stick around for the challenge. But yes, he did come to say hi. And I think that was one of my favorite moments of any Top Chef season because they all collectively lost their shit. <laughs> <laughs> like Buddha could not function. Like he was just losing his shit. And I was just like, that's charming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's trotting out his, his the little French he knows. <laughs> yeah. That was fun too. It was a pretty... Pretty solid challenge, I think. Everyone kind of stepped up. Uh, and then we did lose Ali, uh, one of our Asians, um, for, I guess, just being a little boring, right? He was playing a little safe. Uh, he didn't highlight it as much. That is, Or, a t- or he did yeah. highlight it, but it was not as... He didn't do much with it, right? He tried to, like, yeah, go simple, like- which is... 
which when it works, it works. But when, when but it's also it's like risk. one of those things. It's like it's easy to mess up if everyone yeah. else is like bring a lot. Yeah, it, like you know the challenge is mushrooms, so everyone brings out all these different like techniques, and his is like a mushroom steak. So basically, a mushroom cut and like and fried, grilled, yes, and yeah, yeah, and grilled, and so which I think tastes wonderful but also what else did he do that's the thing that was like his main thing so i don't want to disagree with the judges um it probably was the right decision but at at the same time what a what a what a shame you know um Um, the other person who would have been at risk is gabri who uh who used great flavors but he also left things off his dish and they said it was more chicken yeah, it was more chicken than mushroom. So I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel. Yeah, and that's kind of been his Achilles heel for the entire um, season, which is something that he shares with a lot of the other like Mexican chefs that have been on the show. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. um, Mexican cooking requires so many, so many spices playing with each other, but that does not play well with like a time constraint. Um, but he did make it through, which, uh, which is why I think you know now that he made it through. I actually think he might be without a like more aggressive time constraint. I feel like Gabri has a higher ceiling than the other chefs because if he does have time to get his concept out, he could probably take it. I yeah. think just he's cooking. I think they're just cooking all three chefs going to the fine final. Like they just have three very different distinct styles. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be a matter of how well they e- execute their specific style and how much what the judges want to reward, right? Yeah. And and grace under pressure, because that mm-hmm. is why we're talking about Gabri not being able to <laughs> deal with his time. I have been a Gabri defender from the beginning. I think his use of flavors is fantastic. Um, I love the fact that he wanted to use however many ingredients in the mole, 29, 43, whatever it was. Um, and he pulled it off. But because of that, that was a, a precursor, a hint to his time management, you know, snafus um so if he's calm he can get it done but often he isn't how many times have we seen him running around and hurting himself so yes but again i love that little chaos demon he's fun so it's just a matter of how he executes best personality on the season just so fun i feel like he has he has a higher ceiling in the finale than 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 the others but He's gonna yeah. have to like overcome his own. The, yeah, own the other nerves, two have right? more. The other two have more grace under pressure, and and since Sarah won her way back from Last Chance Kitchen, that she really has shown that. So, yeah. um, I think if if we're being honest, like all of them have a chance, but I think it's a Sarah Buddha sort of like. I mean, to be off. fair, Sarah only beat one person to get back into the competition. True, and it was Charbel, but. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but he was tired, man. He yeah. had to do. He had to win like ten in a row. I'm so sad yeah. that he didn't make it. I think I just, Sarah Sarah's just to... gonna be so annoying if she wins. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> she's just so she is she's, she's very annoying. I, I feel like Sarah needs to bring it. I feel like Buddha needs to not Buddha coast. it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just needs to like also not overwork certain things. I think. Yeah. But also, it's like it's two Americans and and one Mexican contestant. I was like, I guess you can hope for an American again, which would Buddha. But I don't know. I feel a little weird. Like I kind of wanted there to be at least three different, <laughs> you know, countries represented. Hey, um, this podcast is go Asian. There's only one person we're rooting for. Well, we could have had some. <laughs> we could have had Ali. 
you know? Um, yes, and I would love more shots of him working out in the gym. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but so anyway, this is what we got. It's not it's not a bad finale lineup. So I I look forward to watching that. But also I'm maybe afraid um, of what the result will be. But yeah, I, I mean, overall, yeah. Buddha, Sarah, Gabri. Um, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think I feel like Buddha is the favorite. He has the most tools to bring to the table with when when given like a challenge with no constraints. Um, but like Gabri, he also has a tendency to overthink. Um, but I feel like he also has like as you mentioned the case the grace under pressure to um, adjust if needed. Um, I'm excited. Uh, by the time you hear this, um, the winner will probably have been announced already, mm-hmm. um, if not um, tonight. Um, but as of now, as of recording, we're still in the dark. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, excited to talk about the finale with you all next week. Let's see if Goation goes all the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, that'll do it for a Goation for this week. Um, we're taking a quick break. When we come back, it's, it's time for family. Family. <laughs> Podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, and welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about a movie about an elite squad of secret agents who get framed for destroying an international Mm. landmark and have to go on the run um, in an effort to save themselves and clear their names. What I just described was the plot of Mission Impossible, Ghost (laughs) Protocol, but also the plot (laughs) to Fast X, the latest film of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Huh. When I was driving home from the theater, I had a lot of thoughts about what I just watched. Um, first of all, this is a film, the 10th film, ostensibly. Um, yes. That's uh, what the X stands for, Marvin. Yes. <laughs> Are we counting Hobbs and Shaw? Roman though? numerals. Right. So we're not counting Hobbs and Shaw as, as I go. No, no. That's a, that's a spinoff. That's a spinoff. All right. Yeah. Um, directed by not Justin Lin. He famously or infamously mm. left this project in the middle um, for, did we ever find out why? Because he's still connected to the film. He still has a screenplay credit. He still is producing Producing it. it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of worried about... I did not dig into whatever the dirt was about why he left. But it, I do worry about it because I think some of my beefs with this film might be the directing. <laughs> um, which is odd because I do like Louis Leterrier. Um, I think, you know, he did Transporter. He did a lot of good action films. Also, he did... The Dark Crystal series on Netflix, which you wouldn't think he would, you know, it's a weird thing to do, but I liked it. Um, he has a pretty good sense of humor in that series. So I was just like, 
okay, I'm I'm going in with this uh, with an open mind, but yeah, yeah. I, I so he should be fine. He's worked <laughs> with Jason Statham before for sure. So yeah, uh, yeah. The whole crew I, is back. Vin Diesel, mm-hmm. Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, oh the whole Gibson. crew and then some. Woo. Yeah. New to this installment is um, Brie Larson, because we got to add more MCU people into into it. Jason Momoa as the villain. And remind, was Rita Moreno in the film before? Or was he, she no, just added no she got added. No, she just added for no reason um, yeah. except <laughs> to have Rita Moreno, a EGOT winner, might I add. Yes. Um, yeah. Be, be there and you know what i'm not mad yeah it's fine she was great did her plus, job um yeah plus a new beefy cop played by alan richson who i guess was jack reacher in the amazon prime series and was yeah. a part of like the cw smallville sure. i guess as aquaman he just looked like <laughs> i was like who is this josh duhamel looking motherfucker when i saw this guy yeah so we got double the Aquaman. We did get double the Aquaman, man. Um, we know what the score is. Cars, family, stunts. But did it work this time? Um, as I was saying, as I was driving home, I was thinking two questions. Like, was this a good movie? And was this a fun movie? <laughs> and I'm on the side of it not being good, but being fun. And that's okay. I had a really weird experience alternating between groaning audibly in my theater and being hyped as hell. And it's been a while since I've had like those two conflicting emotions throughout the entire, like for a film. Uh, I agree with you. I think, I think fast, I think you have to ask, what do you want or what do you expect from a fast movie right like a fast and furious movie um i think i kind of came to the understanding after seven i think like five there are some legitimately great action movies in this series and there's some like legitimately like really solid like storytelling in some of these movies and I kind of came to terms after seven that we're entering a new era where it's gonna just be about stunt outdoing each other and they're gonna really it's almost like because it's been running so long it's kind of like what happens in tv shows when they jump the shark or when they have to like distill the essence of certain characters to it's like a very flatness like 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 the the main trait and like kind of run off that because again You've run on so long. Like, how much story do you have left to tell? I mean, it's what and- happened to Mission Impossible as a franchise, right? Those films have become how do we outdo, how do we make Tom Cruise run away from a bigger explosion this time and a bigger thing, right? Yes, yes. But I think with the Tom Cruise of it, because it's Tom Cruise, they know they can't, they're really focusing on like, look at Tom Cruise doing insane shit that might kill him. And we're going to do this all practically versus I think the within the fast series, the cult of Dominic Toretto became like the singular thread that they really doubled down on. And then that plus like, like, let's keep let's keep, you know, amping up kind of the stunts and what we can do with cars. And of course, it has to be with cars, you know, it's like so like I think the your problem, Marvin, is you you were thinking like, I go into a fast movie, and I'm just like, I'm here for vibes. I'm here for camp. I'm here for some audible, like, 
unintentional comedy. Um, and you know what? I think Fast X totally delivered. I enjoyed this a lot more than seven or than eight and nine. Because I think they finally, and I know we we can talk more about this. Like I think Jason Momoa was a great addition. I think he's the kind of villain that the series needed. Um, and it's not about like acting, right? Like Charlize there, and we all know she can act. She didn't really work as the villain. Cipher like didn't really work as the villain. Um, you know, I got increasingly ridiculous things done in cars. Um, I got family, and I got to laugh very i i was laughing and i was clapping at various parts of the movie i think where you were groaning i was just laughing and having a really good time but yeah like every time vin diesel tries to monologue i just was bursting into laughter <laughs> like this is great this is what i came for han what did you think of Fast <laughs> so this was less consistent for me um i think the things that have often been cited are the enjoyable parts action over the topness Cars doing things cars shouldn't do. Um, people doing things with cars that they shouldn't do. All that was all good for me. Um, for me, even though I don't go in it for acting, I do have to say I was just so physically like repulsed by some of the <laughs> line readings that it wasn't me thinking. It was just me reacting like, what the fuck? Um, I, <sighs> You take an amazing actress like Brie Larson and I was like, why am I like, caring about what she's saying here but it's because it was so just because you gotta have jarring. faith Han you gotta have faith it was so jarring that like there were moments where I was just like what's going on I I do blame the director at this point because I think a lot of the performances while they should not be scrutinized with any sort of real level <laughs> um so whatever he did made me pay attention somehow and to the point that I was, it was bothering me. And so like regular line readings about family and stuff like that, like I felt like the one person, well, maybe two people who were able to deliver him fine was like Vin Diesel because he knew his shit. Um, but I felt like so many other people, I was just like, I'm not sure if I feel this. It, it's, it's something was off to me. Um, mainly, I do have to say it was probably the newer people. I think everyone else kind of figured out what their niche was. You know, the banter between... <laughs> Ludacris uh, and uh, what's his face? Um, Tyrese. Ta yeah, Tyrese. Um, and, you know, so I think the the team, the regular team was fine. They they had their chemistry going. But um, I will say the one of the new people who I found decent, actually, was the kid, the son. Um, I think he had good chemistry with uh, John Cena, his uncle. Um, so that was fun. But, yeah, I, I will get to the... That whole subplot was real like i don't know about that it, it de this definitely the movie definitely does suffer from being first in the trilogy symptom you know like do you remember it's, it's when like, john cena was a badass villain in the last film and now he's yeah, like just zip cool lining through. no that's yeah. that's why he's in the family now yeah. i mean that's the pattern right that's, that's the required. pattern and and it is funny i think they do you know they do play on that in this movie which yes. is really was really funny to me uh and i think a fun choice but it's it's also like I think it just suffers from like this is the first in a bigger story. Like this happens all the time with like when you know there's going to be a sequel, right? They break it up into too many storylines. Um, like I, I don't like it when they're not together. I think it's always the most fun when they're all together. But, you know, ha not having Michelle Rodriguez like interact with the rest of the crew was not 
optimal for me. Yeah. Um, they gave her another that- girl fight basically give her another girl fight uh mm-hmm. and like i think that could have been better because i think Charlize is like one of the best actions i think both of them are like some of the best action stars period like not even like female mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. just great yeah. at she's great i mean that. her her ronda rousey fight was fantastic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i was like i was kind of expecting a little bit more uh, just because there was a lot of press around that um but you know like we'll see how the I think they had to pivot because they realized the Charlize character as written wasn't working. Um, I think it's wild that, you know, she is not dead having considered that she fucking <laughs> iced Elena. Uh-huh. Um, you know, th- I totally forgot about the whole storyline until this film. Oh, yeah. When I realized, because, oh, yeah, the kid well, is Michelle Rodriguez's child. Maybe she's not dead because, again, like, I mean, you can forgive Jason Statham because Han's not actually dead. I mean, okay. But, like, like we, she I feel like yeah. that's person non grata. I mean, she at did this point, s- the Fast yeah. series has become a comic book series. And as we know in comic book series, nobody stays dead ever. Yes. So mm-hmm. I hope Elsa Pataki it's, gets to come do you guys back remember, too. There's a, literally a line in this film after a nuclear bomb goes off at the Vatican where they say, fortunately, nobody died. When this the, nuclear the bomb ca- went off, casualties were at a minimum or something. No, there yes. were no casualties. Yeah. There were no casualties. So I was like, no "What?" I, I was like, "Are you not counting the fish?" Um, but yeah, it, 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 which is fine. That's totally fine with me. Um, <laughs> I did find it interesting that you said just that you liked this film better than Nine because I felt like Nine was a better film than this one in terms no, of like this one, r- like character no. work, writing, even like editing. Like this film yeah. had so many like weird editing decisions that like, I felt. Yeah. I felt it was just stitched together. <laughs> like I, maybe and that that's was it just maybe, me or what, did the CG look a little, a little janky this time around? Yeah. Yes, the CG looked pretty janky this one. Um, but for me, it's just, there were the moments in like, like as entertaining as like, you know, the idea or concept of them going to space in the ninth one was fun. I was like, once they were in space, it was not entertaining. They no, they didn't do anything floating, with that. That was right? disappointing. But I don't I feel remember like groaning this movie, as much from the one-liners in the last film. But again, I think where you were groaning, I was laughing. And that's why I had a really good time. I think I was also, I was with a really good crowd. Um, you know, there was other hoots and hollers. Um, I was with, you know, Raymond, who is also like a big fan of the unintentional comedy. So every time like Vin Diesel would launch into one of these like very self-serious monologues, <laughs> I would just look at him. I'll be like, this is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being and, said, and, and, though. Yes. On my way home from the theater, there's a hill. Did you drive a little fast? <laughs> and this the same thing happened to me after watching Mad Max Fury Road, where I had to physically <laughs> keep myself from going vroom vroom on the way home yeah. i would have driven so fast i always drive a little faster after uh, uh, watching a fast movie and and i do like the fact that you know we're getting some callbacks we're getting checkoffs a lot of things mm-hmm. how did you I feel about seeing anything. um paul walker again it is very weird that they totally skirted over like his involvement like there's no world where like mia and M- mia is eating with them without <laughs> their two kids and brian and yeah. like they don't explain it. And she's very much like, oh, I need to get back to Brian and the kids. Yeah. Um, and I was like, again, there's no world where he would not be involved. So I get. But, you know, I think Jordana Brewster deserves her bag, too. So it, let's keep her employed. Let's get more women in this series. She's actually, you know, Brazilian. She speaks Portuguese. Let's keep her in. 
even for a little bit. Like, I'm just assuming everyone will come back for 11 and 12 because we have to wrap up all these storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is going to be interesting to see how they address or don't address that. But at this point, I think we just know, like, you know, us as an audience, like, we, we know what happened and we know that <laughs> they're just going to kind of glide over this because... It is what it is. Well, I would say more like the, the opening scene of this film is literally the bank heist from Fast Five, probably the best Fast movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, so which far. is interesting because you know Justin Lin was originally supposed to direct this, so this is obviously a continuation mm-hmm. of that story. Oh my god, how excited do you think that guy playing who played Herman Reyes was? He's like, <laughs> and they definitely use like bad face anti aging technology to <laughs> shoot some of those scenes. But how, when he got that call, he's like, yes. <laughs> I'm back for a little bit. And, and they did the money. thing where they inserted, hey, did you know that this guy had a son? And that son yeah. was yes. Jason Momoa. I mean, everyone has to have a familial co- co- connection, right? No spoilers. But mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, this is starting to feel like a BuzzFeed quiz. Where, uh, you know, like, how would you be related to the Fast and the Furious series like crew? I think I would be, like, Han's secret first wife's, um, <laughs> like, like, he has an Asian wife first wife's like cousin's kid like that would be my entry into the fast crew and i'm somehow still very good at driving cars yeah (laughs) of course well i guess that'll bring us to the i guess one of the more um controversial or one of the more pivotal aspects of Mm -hmm. this film Literally, the part that makes or breaks it, which is the villain. Because villains in the Fast series have not always been compelling. Right? It's been a while since, like, you had... Actually, I don't know if you've ever had a compelling villain. No, it's not like James Bond or Mission Impossible where they've gotten, like, A-list talent. And, I mean, they tried with Charlize, but even... You know, they, it was always like action stars. And then they became, you know, like part of the family, right? Um, so. Yeah. So Jason Momoa plays um, Dante Reyes, the son of the crime lord from Fast Five, who in and of himself was not a compelling villain. He was just like, like mm-hmm. a, 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 a corrupted money, yeah. crime lord. Um, and then basically they went the path of let's just make this guy Jokerified and put him on a – like he's here to – bring vengeance on all the collateral damage that the the fast crew has um has inflicted which in and of itself is an interesting angle right because they have made a lot of enemies throughout their 10 film career um and correct me if i'm wrong but this is the exact same character arc that they gave jason statham's character in what was, what was it, the seventh or eighth fast and the furious film but in that film they bailed halfway through and made it about a like a african crime lord instead right or warlord instead i you know i I barely remember i just know you know (laughs) like he was bad and then now he's part of the family because he saved the he saved the baby no i mean yeah in like in his film he starts off like killing han and say i'm coming for your family because you killed my Mm -hmm. brother which is a compelling character arc but then the rest of the film is we need help Russell's character is here to keep us safe from Jason Statham, but in in return, he wants us to steal God's eye. And the film actually be, is about them stealing God's eye from this African warlord, not about Jason Statham's Jimon quest Han- for murder. Jimon Hansu, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, they just haven't really been able to tap into, I think, 
that or like i don't know like you know how like it's written in the rock's contract that he can't lose <laughs> like i'm wondering if some of these like well-known action stars are having those similar clauses where like they're only down for a certain point they don't want to be the enemy they don't want you know like yeah or maybe they saw like an opportunity with jason statham to do stuff like <laughs> you know hobbs and shaw but which um yeah which which is why i was glad to see that they did not like didn't bail from jason momoa's quest for revenge like he is here to bring comeuppance to the fast family and he actually goes and like fucks shit up like the whole entire like fast x it's interesting that fast x is out at the same time as like the latest spider-man movie because the central theme of fast x is like with great power comes great responsibility the more you try to save people the less you can save everybody right i mean that's literally also Mission Impossible, what they've been doing for the last three or four films. Um, just very different tones, let's be real. Or or very different success in the tone approach. Um, but like that's why I like Jason Momoa. I feel like he is the campiness that this movie has always tried to not address. Because I think I truly think Vin Diesel in, thinks this is a very serious movie. Yeah, I mean, I like the stakes that Jason Momoa's Dante brings. I wasn't as big a fan of his character work um, because that didn't really make sense to me. And I know Hanyi had some issues with it as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the deal is, had I gotten camp from him, I think I might have liked his character better. I honestly got more throwback 80s caricature of what a, a flamboyant gay person might be and I felt like that really ruined the the performance for me because I felt the whole time that he was mocking something or or doing something that I didn't he didn't 100% sell to me and that was the main thing because I felt like in a super 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 straight type of franchise that this is then the villain the cool thing about him is that he's kind of effeminate and then he didn't also sell it. That was really where it was. It's like, I didn't get it that he was this character. I felt like he put this on over himself and it wasn't, so I didn't get anything from him. Um, this is also where I was watching it. And I was just like, is he just really a bad actor? Cause I realized I haven't seen him that many things. <laughs> so I was like, or is this the direction again? Um, where I was just like, well, if it's a Frenchman, maybe for him, this is like funny. But um, so I was very, honestly, because he was so central, I, I agree that we need a really good villain that consistently is a villain is not going to turn and be their family because that is where the stakes are. Um, but I didn't really get that from him. I, I was so not engaged with him. Like every time he was on the screen, I was like, I don't like you. Um, so for really? me, I had the, the exact no, opposite I'm, reaction. I'm so, so glad that you enjoyed him. I felt, but I felt really like skeezed out by him, which is weird. Cause I was going in hoping like, Oh, I love him. You know that he's going to make this. Uh, so yeah, I didn't like it. And I really, really tried hard. Cause I was like, maybe the next scene, this was just a weird moment, but no, I didn't like him throughout. So uh, I'm sad about that, but yeah, I think that ruined it for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like it's it comes down to the writing. The motivations are all weird. Like, I think they they're, they're definitely going for like 
a Joker fight character, like someone who is like nihilist, someone who is like chaos. Um, but the portrayal, like for me, it did get a little a little grating. Like it's the whiplash between like ruthless and aloof. Yeah, I wonder if it's a Momoa thing or or it's a direction it, thing. It, it's probably a combination of things. Um, I I can see a. I can see a version of this that might have worked for me, but I don't know if it, he would be the one to do it then. Uh, or at least I can't seem to imagine it. Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with his breadth of work. <laughs> uh, but like stuff I've seen him in, he mainly grunts, you know. Uh, there's an Apple series that he's in. But um, I mean, he was fine in Aquaman, I felt like. I didn't um, watch Aquaman. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to watching Aquaman because I think he would be good in that. But yeah, so... I don't know. It it it, it was a, a dark spot for me. <laughs> but I feel like the stakes that his character brought to the film mm-hmm. did make it more compelling. Like it did feel like this was something that like finally a challenge that the fast crew could not overcome just by family. In fact, family is a weakness at this point, which yeah. is family's interesting a weakness. Direction. And I'm not gonna give you the mercy of death. I don't know. It all worked for me. I had a that really line was good. good. Like, don't accept death when suffering is old is a pretty bomb like villain line. There are some really great one liners. And yeah. whether that's like from Justin Lin or the co writer, I'm just like I I will you know, I I audibly clapped several times. There's an early, this movie. early scene that I thought had some pretty good lines. Um, it was between Brie Larson and, you know, the new guy uh, whose name I forgot. Um, and because he's saying such ridiculous things and she actually calls him out and is like, did you write that line yourself? That scene was, I thought, the weakest of the entire oh, film. I, I felt like it was... The scene where they like, recap the entire series oh, of Fast and the Fierce in case you did exa- not watch the first nine films. But that's why I think it was funny because they were meta. They were self-referential enough that they called themselves out on it. And so I was just like, okay, this is fun and cheesy. So I didn't mind that. But um, yeah, I I think that though. I didn't like you don't have to film. (laughs) I feel like Fast and the Furious, its strength is in like like you mentioned, Vin Diesel taking everything seriously. And when you have someone kind of calling it out. It gives like kind of also modern MCU vibes where it's like, let's call out how ridiculous everything is. And well, that kind of takes me out of it. It's a very I, Whedon thing to do. It's like I think Whedon it depends style. on the character. I don't think I could have watched this film with that's full of Vin Diesel's. So like, that's why I think his crew, like the two who are always bantering, like that makes sense. Um, and they call each other out on their bullshit all the time. So like, I, I was fine with it, especially with this new dude who I didn't know. Who yeah. Was. I mean, calling each other out on like the ridiculous thing they say is fun character work, but calling someone else like, oh, did you write that yourself? But you wrote that. You wrote a line making fun of your own line. And I kind of feel like that's kind of lazy screenwriting. I mean... Is this I, it's, excellent it's writing the in fast this? <laughs> yeah. I, that's the thing. I don't know what y'all are expecting. I had boom booms. I had some great one liners. I had family. I got coronas. I'm I'm having yeah. a good time. I think I think it's the moments when we are taken out of the moment. So for you, it was the writing and that scene. For me, it was Jason Momoa. And where I couldn't just let myself enjoy it. And I was just like, it was actually rough for me. So um yeah, it's uh and and then later on, there were some line readings where I was just like, 
I just wanted to enjoy you fighting. Why are you talking? Um, so yeah, yeah there, there were just mo- there actually wasn't that much fighting in this one. There was right. Well, we got the Charlize Michelle Rodriguez fight, and then we got some you know car chases, which I think this time were a little too CGI heavy. Um, I think you know when you lose Justin Lin, who is like very well known for doing practical effects, mm-hmm. um, that's that's a shame. Um, but you know we did Momoa didn't get into a fight. Uh, we. I mean, he kind of God. did at the beginning. Actually, mm. no, he did not. He nope. made other people fight for him. That's right. Yeah. He didn't no. actually and then, physically fight anybody. And of course, you know, there was some hilarious things where like there's just a million guns going off and Vin Diesel like is not getting shot at all. And he's just like very slowly walking on the bridge. Um, yeah, it's a superhero movie at this point. Um, and like a car door would not stop a machine gun. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. like, hmm. Okay. Um, but you, not your but, car like, door. <laughs> not my little Hyundai. All right. That's I mean, fair. on that note, um, a Fast and Furious movie lives and dies on its giant set pieces. And what do we think of this film's set pieces, right? Um, compared to Fast 9, which had giant magnet truck and space car, this one, we, this one had rolling bomb, bomb chase through Italy, cannon car. Um. Which one is Cannon Car? The car that shoots cannons. I don't remember that one. <laughs> Did I just blank John this Cena's out? car that shoots cannons. Oh, that! Oh, John Cena's car, the, the 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 chase, the chase at the end, the third act chase. Mm. Uh, we have a street race that isn't really a street race. It's more of a Sophie's Choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so like overall, like, and then we have the the Mich- Michelle Rodriguez, um, Charlize Theron hospital bed fight. So it's actually surprisingly kind of... That one had lasers in it. Yeah, so overall, actually kind of lacking in Mm -hmm. big set pieces, but I think that's also a symptom of being the first part of a dual movie or trilogy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they're going to save it. Though I will say when, like, he knocks the crane to knock the ball off was pretty fantastic. Um but I think the big Rome chase, which is beautiful, and I love Rome and Italy, mm-hmm. very vibes. I think it does suffer from like bad CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that, the, that was a little bit of a shame. I like the ridiculousness of the opening, you know, Rome giant fireball bomb sequence um, of the chaos that it wreaked. Um, and just the scope of it was fun. Uh, that's all I kind of remember. There, There's, of course, something where Vin Diesel's driving you know, saves the day, even though his car is being pulled by two helicopters, um, which was fun. But in the end, I don't know if I really cared about that whole sequence. <laughs> so, yeah, because, yeah, again, it's it's mm-hmm. not really the end of the movie. It's the break in the middle of the trilogy, which is I, th- I think which that's is, where it suffers from. I mean, yeah, if that's their reasoning, fine. But I still didn't like it. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it was just it was fine. The action was fine. Um, there were still funny moments. Because they were ridiculous. Like, there were a couple Fast and Furious movies and Hobbs and Shaw that did the whole, we're going to hand over a person from one car to another. Yeah. And so there was a sort of a nod to that here. Um, so, you know, I enjoyed that ridiculousness. Um, I, I When that happened, I turned to Raymond and I was like, he got that from his mother. Yeah. Letty Ortiz. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> Letty, Letty d- does that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of being thrown. I mean, that was the whole yes. 
that was a whole third act in number seven, right? When they're mm-hmm. passing Ramsey around like a hot yes. potato. Yes, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I love it. fantastic. Okay, can we talk about Little B and how, like, genetically, genetically. Okay, first one, definitely like a white ass baby, right? Like a white baby. And mm-hmm. I understand children and people can look different at birth and like infancy as an adult. I'm just like, oh, you, you have a black child. Yeah. You have a straight up black child, which I know is not impossible, but very different than the child earlier in number nine that you used. Yes. I it, like that Just You has chosen this hill to die <laughs> on the realism front in the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I guess John Cena's his brother. But like, we're looking at the genetic tree here. John Cena's his brother, Nordic Jeans. Uh, Dominic Toretto, Elsa Pataki, like a very white Brazilian woman. Mm-hmm. If we're going by the character of Elena, her sister, very white. Maybe the genes are just strong. I don't know. Rita Morena is a ancestor. I, I I don't know if it's on she's, that side or or she's on Letty's well, side. Well, she's Dom's grandmother. Oh, she is She's Dom's, Dom's grandmother. She oh. and, and, and little B is not any way related to is not biologically related right. to led to, right. to right. Um, Michelle Rodriguez. Um, you know, Jordana Brewster is Dom's sister. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But you uh, know, who knows? So my thing was about this kid, little B, uh, that sort of freaked me out the whole movie was he looks a lot like my nephew. So there were definitely moments where I was like, I see the same expressions and stuff like that um, out of him. And so I was predisposed to maybe caring about him more, um, which is unusual because usually you add a kid to a franchise and I'm like out. You know, like, uh, I see where you're going here. You're trying to like spin off. I They've been adding kids to Marvel movies for a while now. Um, but uh the, yeah, this one I honestly I didn't mind the banter between him and his uncle, you know, John Cena. Oh, they were that was fun. That I was enjoyed fun. their little like uncle uncle nephew time, yeah. and I I enjoy John Cena. He's fun um, still. Yeah, he's, he's a very. I don't know if I like that. It, it was a lot of things in this movie, so there's definitely going to be one thing you're not going to like. So <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I like them all, <laughs> except for genetics. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all have hill, but that's yes. fine. I'm just wondering, like, if they know, you know, if they have a strategically on like a universal level, like, oh, like, do they have in mind someone they want to take over? Yeah, mm. already, and that's why they're casting to look more like whoever they're, or, or generally, like, is the strategy to go more biracial or like, you Very know, like, possible. which is yeah, makes sense. Um, but I'm just like, okay, like, it, also, you know. That baby that Jason Statham saying very white, yeah, just very white <laughs> for sure. Um, yes, people obviously can darken with age; they can change their hair colors and hair types, but it is jarring because I remember trying to think, "Who is this kid?" Because <laughs> yes, I was like, but "You know what? Also, yeah. get your bag, little B. Get your bag." <laughs> All right, uh, there's more to talk about, but we're gonna save that for our spoiler zone um, after the credits. So, with everything said. Um, have to ask is fast x good pop i feel like i'm standing alone on a freaking <laughs> hill here but yes i had such a good time i i did not think at all i just vibe had a great time cannot wait for the next one i also got so excited when the one-liners it was so good 
Um, I I accidentally cup checked Raymond in the theater, mm-hmm. and he almost barfed. That's how good it is. Yes. Fun. Uh, I think you know by now. Like I, I wasn't a fan of this movie. There were definitely moments, and some of the stuff it does well, it, it delivered. But overall, I I I ended up seeing this in the morning. I wanted my morning back. I was I was actually kind of like bored during moments, and not as engaged. So uh, I think. I would rather have not seen this. So I'm not going to say, I will just say, well, it's better than Avatar 2. (laughs) Faint praise. (laughs) I'm going to err on the end of, is it good pop? I had fun watching it. Uh, Like I mentioned, the writing and the characters, like anything that had to do with like characters or acting left a lot to be desired, but the action scenes were good. Um, as you went along, I think that first action scene in Rome had some of the more had some of the worst CG um, that I've seen, but it got better as it went along. So, <laughs> um, and like I mentioned, at the end of the day, I did drive home a little extra fast because I was still hyped <laughs> from the film. So, um, I think as long as you go in with the understanding that you're watching a Fast and the Furious film and what that entails in 2023. You'll have a good time for the most part. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I did not know this was going to be a trilogy. I thought it was just going to be two mm, no. films. I think, it's, I think they're probably still figuring this out, um, you know, mm. post Justin Lin. But, you know, if they can milk two more movies, they're 100% going to milk two more <laughs> movies. I just, yeah, it, it feels like it's about run its course. And the fact that it's literally recycling story beats from previous movies and other movies is like, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, there's some revelations at the end that I don't know if I'm down for, but um, if anything, I want to know how they top space. That's got to be coming next film, right? How they top space. Well, apparently they're trying to like cross over Jurassic Park. So maybe it's dinosaurs. I mean, there was a DeLorean in this film, so it could be time travel. I still think that it should be, um, they should drive Transformers. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a universal product, right? Yeah. Uh, they should drift in Optimus Prime. Like, I don't, it's right there. And then we could have really cool leader monologues from both Vin Diesel and Optimus Prime. I think, family sorry, family sorry, Transform- sorry, Transformers is Paramount. No, <laughs> I guess just the Transformers ride is at Universal. That's very misleading. Okay. Uh, well, a rare <sighs> split decision for the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, <laughs> take what you will. Um, Ultimately, we are a family. Uh, we will still come together for the lo- next next. <laughs> and film. have some Coronas. <laughs> yes. You can have any beer as long as it's cr- a Corona. You guys, remember yes. when Fast and the Furious was just a Point Break? Yeah. Alike. They were stealing VCR players, y'all. Yeah. I remember from a truck. that. From so a great. truck. <laughs> All right. Jesshan, thank you so much for joining me in chatting about Fast X. Um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are still on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous everywhere, including Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. I don't know. Yeah, uh, apparently my trash take this <laughs> week is that Fast X is good. 
you can find me at Marvin Yue, also on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow Good Pop at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check it out, fellow Asian American hosts of podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for our spoiler thoughts of Fast X. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras, you know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Fast X Spoiler Zone. Um... We'll be discussing Fast X in its entirety, um, spoilers included. And so a couple thoughts. Um, first of all, I guess the most spoiler things is the post-credits reveal that The Rock is returning to Fast and the Furious. I guess now that Vin Diesel hates Jason Momoa, The Rock is welcome back in the series. Well, I'm, they have so many separate storylines. They can totally mm-hmm. be in the same movie without ever interacting yes. with each other at this yeah. point. Yes. I think after they realize, wait, why did we spit him off into his own movie? Just fold him back in and he can get a subplot. Um, and I'm sure they paid him a significant amount of money. Yeah. So you get your... You know what? I, I turned to Raymond again at the end of the whole thing and I'm like, thank God the DC verse just failed because not yeah. only were we getting the rock back because Black Adam was yeah. a total failure. We are getting Giselle back? Yeah. That oh was my God. huge because I was really? like, look, yeah, Han. no one ever dies in this film because no one dies. Didn't she like fall off a plane yeah, that was something. going like a bajillion yes. miles per hour? Yeah. Yes, and Han got blown up in a car. Okay, it doesn't matter. I can't wait to hear the convoluted but, story of where she's been and how she got out. What I like though is this whole time no one really cared where she was because they were just like, she's dead, but where's I, Han? I knew, right? I well, knew we cared because happened. Han loved her. Yeah, I knew well, something happened because there's Chekhov's Han's dating profile. Yes, yes. I, would, I, I mean, was like, they would not have brought this back if they weren't going to address the Giselle of it all. If there's... And then also the Chekhov's nuclear submarine from number eight. Yes. Uh, I did enjoy Chekhov's kayak, which turned out to be Chekhov's airplane. Yes, yes. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, I, I, I will say I'm very happy for this Han uh, app dating. I would like them to spin this off to a very small web series in between the two movies um, just to see like how he is doing that. Um, and then, of course, I assume Giselle is going to end up on the app. We can call it Han Eats Stuff and Dates. And I <laughs> yes, do love he, that Han. Do- <laughs> like, we didn't get much Han, but we did get him snacking. And getting Wait, mad yes, when someone yes. ruined his snacks. Yes, he needs to eat more. Um, if he wants to do that on a dating app and sort of maybe do a mukbang, you know, that might work. Uh, well, he gets yeah. his little meat cute with Jason Statham again, and they get yeah. him a little tussle. Um, yeah, that was so, you know, all right. We're closing loops. We're closing yeah. loops. But we and, definitely you know, use more Han. Yes, and then you know, Jason Statham is a good son. He's gonna go save his mom. Um, That's probably then, how you know, we fold Hobbs back in the Rock's character. 
is just hot yes. and shaw. It's it's hope- it's gonna be much like we have Go Asian within Good Pop. We're gonna have Hops and Shaw within Fast Eleven. Yeah, why not? And I hope I hope Vanessa Kirby is done filming um, Mission Impossible so she can make a little appearance in this one because right. I do enjoy Vanessa sister, Kirby quite right? a bit, mm-hmm. and she's the one who had some you know romance God. with The Rock and Hobbs and Shaw, and she's she's fantastic. This I think family's so fucking convoluted. I you know like, I I forgot is like, is that Luke Evans. B, still I forgot in that B wasn't. Letty's son until this film when hey he is Letty's son and everything but blood okay don't you dare yeah and you don't need blood for family I forgot exactly. that Vin Diesel had a whole other love interest during those two movies where Letty was dead I mean, yeah. yeah and she got iced by Charlize Theron again like can't but like I will say when you know he opens the door and Charlize Theron at the door I was like oh mm-hmm. I did I was I did I did do a little audible gasp so, I will say, even with the limited uh, material given to Charlie Theron, I felt like she was acting circles around everybody in that cast. I mean, Academy Award. <laughs> yeah. There's several Academy Award winners in the series yes. at this point. Uh, she was consistently good. I will give her, give credit to that. Um, she can yeah. act the hell out of just action scenes. Yeah, I just think the cipher thing didn't work, and they yeah, had, it was they, weird. They knew it and had to pivot. Yeah. Um. And you know, let's see how many more we got. Like two, one to two movies left. So let's mm-hmm. see how many more, um, award winning actors they can shove in here. Like, let's get <laughs> Al Pacino in here. Robert De Niro is kind of in his. I'll do anything for because I need money bag at this point. Like, he has a seventh kid. Let's get like. Oh, uh, let's get both of them in. Uh, I wonder if Kurt Russell just isn't in it because he didn't want to or they have bigger plans or scheduling. Like, I, I do feel like he was brought up so many times as missing that we do need to wrap up. Well, we have Brie Larson now. So what do we think of um, Buff Josh Duomo, um as like the cop, the, the cop who did not turn into family? I, I think this was for the youngs for me. Like, I didn't know who he was. He looked familiar to me. Like you say, Jeff, uh, Buff Josh Jamel, but um, I mean he's fine. He's like, fine. I, I mean they need always their token white dude, and yeah, I did. thought Eastwood wasn't in this that much. He was in it. He was the guy in the truck in Rome. He, who got he wasn't in it that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And also I, you need if you add someone, sometimes they that lets you have fall guy for something, so you can like focus your hate on him. I um, did enjoy that Jason Momoa's Dante had his own family, which is his crime bro. His crime bros also yeah, a cop. crime bros before crime hoax. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I guess the so. only other spoiler thing we should talk about is: Do we think John Cena died? Do we see? Probably no, not. no, absolutely not. But he does die in the movie. Whether he stays dead is a, is a different story. Um, That's right. No is, one stays dead mourned. in the series. He is mourned briefly, but not long. There was, he had a good death that, scene. That he had a noble death so... scene. And then, and then we he know Wendy was able to kind of weave into, through. He, I'm just, I'm just saying. When we got to that final scene, and we we were driving up the dam again, I turned to Raymond. I'm the most annoying movie watcher, as Marvin knows. I turned to Marvin, and I was like, "If that dam does not fucking blow up by the end of this movie, my name is not just you." Mm-hmm. And it did, and I love it. That scene where he's driving down the dam to escape the explosion looked real rough. I feel like this this film needed like another like another year in like in the womb. Yeah. Like like well, I'm also just like when did Nas become a protective coating against fire? <laughs> yeah. Is it wouldn't nitrous oxide be like more expl- I'm accelerant? not a chemist. 
Yeah. But me thinks it would be more flammable. I but mean, what do I know? Airdropping cars is just now a thing they do, right? I mean, we got a lot of- Oh, now you're a physics expert, Marvin? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Shh. I'm pretty sure it doesn't take an expert to see, to, to know that, that that's fine. not how just cars enjoy. work. That's just not- enjoy. Just enjoy That's how the his journey. car works. Because he's an expert. Not how your car works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on before we call it a night? I think we're good. No, we're good. Right. Well, that'll do it for our spoiler cast for Fast X. Um, yeah. It was a film. There's more coming. We're probably going to watch it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.